0: Hi there, and welcome to the Love Scribe podcast, where we talk about biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. I am Dawn Hill, and I am the Love Scribe. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Love Scribe podcast. And today I have a special guest. I have a brother in Christ on, and we are going to be talking today about contentment. And we're talking about contentment because Dave has re- recently written a book about contentment. And so we're going to talk about that, talk about why he wrote it, some of the things that are in it. I'm going to encourage you to get it. I think it'll be helpful to you and encouraging to you, and we'll fill you in on how you can get it. Dave, welcome to the Love, Six, Scribe podcast.
1: Yeah, it's always it's always good to be with you, Dawn, and always great to have uh, a conversation with you. Um, I enjoy your podcast, and I know a lot of people do. So thank you for your work, sister.
0: Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your work, too. So you have recently written a book about contentment, and it's coming out very soon. I want you to tell us about it and um, why you wrote it.
1: Yeah, the book is Contentment: The Journey of a Lifetime. it It is uh, contentment is uh, something that is possible for every Christian because of what Christ has done, you know? So if you're in Christ, um this is something that every single Christian is to pursue and uh, can pursue because we've been united to christ by faith in his name and for the non-christian it's 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 not possible to have contentment without christ um I, i'm reminded of ecclesiastes 3 vanity is vanity and grasping for the wind ecclesiastes three eleven. and god has set eternity on our hearts and so you know i would say to the non-christian you must repent and believe and put your hope and trust in christ alone and only then can you have contentment um so um, you know this is a this is a journey. none of us, even the author of this book myself, we have it figured out. none of us have arrived. Uh, we live between the times and what that means very practically is um, we're all growing in this, I'm growing in this. Uh, I did write a book on it. and the book was actually uh, it wasn't hard substance wise. it wasn't hard content wise for me to write, but it was hard in its application because, um, and anybody who's ever written a book on contentment or studied contentment knows um, that the Holy Spirit is going to convict you hard on the many ways in which you lack contentment. And so that was true. That was true for me. It uh, exposed a lot of idolatry in, in my life, uh, going back to my childhood when I was, uh, you know, very good at sports. Spent a lot of time playing sports. And uh, even even in my adult years, uh, at, at my whole adult life has been in in vocational ministry. And uh, just just uh, even realizing that, you know, even in ministry, you can make um, various pursuits and things like book contracts and pastor positions and different roles and and things that are good. Um, you can make them ultimate and and that's idolatry. And so um, I, I got worked over uh and that way and uh that's a good thing um you know it's not something conviction is not something to run away from the lord it's a it's a gift of his grace to his people um it shows his love to us it helps us to grow it helps us to grow in our assurance uh, of of salvation which many christians many 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 christians struggle with and uh so it's a it's a good thing and and paul even says in philippians 4 just really quickly he says that he learned contentment, and if we remember, I think it's Second Corinthians eleven, if I'm not mistaken. He says he was he was beaten uh, thirty nine times. You know, forty was basically death, and so he was very much on the verge of death. He was shipwrecked. He experienced a great deal of suffering and and hardship and challenges in his life, and yet here he is. You know, he's talking about how he learned uh contentment in all circumstances um you know so i i just uh i needed this book i didn't realize as i wrote it like it's not a long book you won't find it hard to read at all like my other books it's it's easy to read and that's intentional um because i'm i'm writing without assuming any kind of biblical or theological training or anything like that um and where where i do use some theological language I explain it very easy to understand for the average person um, in the pew so that they they can you know get this this I think the biggest thing to say that this contentment that that Paul speaks about in Philippians 4 it's it's not a magical formula it's not something it's not a magical incantation it, there's no you know like 10 steps to contentment and guess what? I've arrived. Like I said, it's a, the subtitle says it's a journey of a lifetime. And, and God is using the various situations of our lives. um, He's using them to help us to grow in this, you know, uh, Jeremiah Burroughs and the Puritans, they, they talked about contentment in in, in this way, uh, the art of contentment, the skill of contentment. It's really just about recognizing that the Lord is By his grace through the work of his spirit he's he's all he's growing us and that that is painful and it's hard but it but it's a journey that that we are to pursue and can pursue not in our own strength but in the strength that god provides through his grace and through the indwelling of the holy spirit so um yeah that that's a little bit about the book
0: Thank you for sharing that. And in case anybody's not aware of what Philippians 4, 11 through 12 says, I'm going to read it to you right now. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, not that I am speaking of being in need for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need and then, of course, we have verse 13, uh, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we know that that scripture, for those of us, it's not even exclusive to the NAR, but we know that that, that scripture can be misappropriated. Many times, uh, football players, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or, you know, I can, it, whatever it can be. It can be something really trivial. But in the reference, in the context, Paul is talking about how he's living life and that he has found his sufficiency in Christ. Is that correct, Dave?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and the interesting thing to note is, you know, everybody wants to quote verse 13, but nobody wants to deal with verse uh, 2 in that same chapter, you know, which is to rejoice in the Lord. So really, the, the, when you take the two bookends, he's telling us to rejoice in the Lord because Christ is sufficient, that's verse 13, and then that frames actually all the commands that Paul gives in verses 3 through, what is it, 8, and then in verse 9, he says, practice these things. Which is also interesting because again, we remember it's because we are rejoicing in the Lord because of what he said previously um, in the in the in the book about the, the the greatness and glory of the grace of God in Christ. And so so then he's moving to to talk about even the things that we're to do in light of what Christ has done. And so even realizing that the even the commands that Paul gives are to, you know, direct our lives, they're still motivated and fueled by the grace of God. And and you're absolutely right about the Philippians four thirteen. I you know, when you were talking, I, I remember Tim Tebow, uh, you know, he was the Florida Gators Heisman winning quarterback. He he would have the the eye pain on his eyes and put Philippians four thirteen and, you know, I can do all things, but is it but but the question is, is it through Christ? is it through christ you know or right. is it i i can do all things so it's all about you know me and my and and what i do and um i think sadly i think that's how a lot of that how how that is um uh, interpreted is it understood by people and i think if they just took a minute and and looked at it, when you're when you're reading the bible just take a minute and real look at especially with paul he's a He's, he's a very easy to – of all the biblical authors, he's so easy to understand, easy to read, and, and because he's, he's – he'll lay out his pattern is first to talk about Christ usually in the first few chapters of a book, and then what he's doing is this is what you're to do with, with Christ in, in your life. So he's not cons- only concerned with that you know Christ but that you're walking with Christ, and, and when we look at a chapter like Philippians 4… You're looking at uh, this this idea of what we're to do with what Christ is, has given us. So, you know, we, we got to understand that. And it, and like you said, it's not only important for sports. It's important for, you know, other aspects, other aspects of, of teaching, of life, and other areas that misuse that passage. So I, I think that's a really good point, Don.
0: So you had mentioned in your book uh, about um... – in the process of talking about contentment, you had mentioned several references to um, a very well-known book. I think it's the second most famous book uh, next to the Bible, and it's called Pilgrim's Progress. And I'm familiar with that book. I became familiar with it uh, shortly after I can't remember how I got uh, my hands on it. But shortly after leaving the movement, I had found and stumbled across Pilgrim's Progress and I. Um, it's it's funny too. My my kids and I have watched the animated version of Pilgrim's Progress. I even enjoy watching that animated movie because it's such a good portrayal and allegory of the walk of a of a of a believer, and um and coming to to Christ and the trials and the the sufferings and the things that we go to, and then uh, finally getting into what was called the celestial city, which spending eternity with Christ. Can you? um help those that may not know what pilgrim's progress is just briefly tell them what it is and why why did you feel compelled to put that in your book
1: Yeah this this is really one of the reasons why I wanted to move away from the publisher that I was using is I wanted to I wanted to include I always like to include um some sort of story or example from church history and and actually I had to rack my brain to be honest with your listeners on what do I use for that story? Cause I already had actually written the book. So for anybody that's written a book, you know, that when you're done writing a book, you don't want to go back and rewrite it, which is what I did with this one. I, I not only utterly rewrote, I didn't rewrite the, the bare bones of it. I added to it, which is actually I learned much harder to do and to then to do it. Well is, um, in and of itself, um, very, very challenging, but, um, so as i was doing working through what do i add to this i i had a hard time and then and then actually i think i watched that same that animated film that you were and i was like wow this would be wait a minute i can totally this 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 actually relates and i so i began to think about it and i i started asking i started asking some of my friends who who know a lot more about bunyan than i do and and about church history and those kind of things and and I said, "No, oh, yeah, that would fit. That would fit well." And I thought, "Okay, so I'll read it again." And um, so I did and I was like, "Man, this is killer." Uh, Cuz I had never I had never seen anybody like take this story and really apply it to the idea of contentment, but you know, the more I kept thinking about it, at first I was kind of nervous. I was like, eh, "You know, you don't want to reinvent the wheel, but at the same time, this this kind of makes sense." Because what Bunyan does in, in Pilgrim's Progress um, he, he, you know, he starts out. You know, he's he's journeying uh, from his home, like you mentioned. Um, he gets he meets evangelist uh, who tells him about the gospel. He meets evangelists uh, several other times throughout the story. He gets to the slob to which really represents like you know discouragement, depression. He gets bogged down, and eventually, you know, because he he keeps his eye, he's supposed to keep his eyes on the road and stay on the road that he's on this journey. And uh, keep, keep his eyes focused, and, and he doesn't, and that's when he gets into trouble. And so, and he does, he gets into you know, he falls off the path and he gets back on the path. And, um, it, like you said, it, it really represents uh, what, what the Puritan the ideal of what a Puritan the Puritans call a, a pilgrim life a, that the Christian life is a uh, pilgrim warfare and and what that idea means is basically we live bet- like i mentioned earlier we live between the times so christ um he initiated when john 1930 said it's finished um you know that initiated or we can use the word inaugurated um the beginning of 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 the kingdom and then when jesus jesus will consummate we use this word that means that you know he'll complete it when he returns and it fully establishes kingdom and what, whatever your view of of that it doesn't when with the timing of it and whatever that doesn't matter we're talking about the completion of the kingdom uh, of god so this is the already and not yet uh, bunyan's character christian comes into the the kingdom um his his bags are on his back the backpack really represents the load of sin and then the load of sin, uh, you know, falls off as he understands the perfect righteousness of Christ, and uh, in his place. And then he grows in his journey. He faces spiritual warfare, you know, with Apollyon. He is uh, he meets interpreter who helps him learn to interpret scripture through through various ways and uh it's it's really an amazing story it is an allegory so you do you you, Bunyan is also a pastor though so he's writing this this allegory to help you but but you know his goal isn't to like get you to to you know he, he wants you to get you into scripture but he wants you to understand this through a story so you have to understand that it is a story and it is an allegory but the allegory has a point and it has a goal to help you to understand the principles that he's talking about, like getting in the Word and fighting discouragement and depression, and and getting distract, fighting distractions, all with the goal of staying on that that road um, as a pilgrim of Christ uh, to to grow in His grace. If you've never read Pilgrim's Progress, I highly recommend it. Like you said, Don, it is the Uh, second most well-sold piece of christian literature next to the word of god and so there you go i mean it's a it's considered a classic it's considered you know one of the best-selling christian uh, pieces of literature of all time um and so why not read it if you've never read it um it's well worth reading you you anybody can read you could read it to your child you know, and uh, you can enjoy it. I have friends who are have been pastors for years, and they read it every year, and they get something out of it. And, um, so, one of my friends has been a pastor; was a pastor for forty plus years, and he reads it every year. And every year, he says he gets something out of it. and He always tells me about that, and that's that's just amazing to me. I mean, he's like in his seventies, so imagine for forty plus years reading this this book. So um and the impact that that could have on your walk with God so one thing that's amazing um in addition to what I said about Pilgrim's Progress is Charles Spurgeon who I'm sure your your people on this podcast know well now um but Charles Spurgeon was a prince of preachers and he said of Bunyan that if you cut him not literally if you cut him okay he's not saying that but if you cut him you bleed he will bleed but bleed and what that meant is as Bunyan's life was so saturated in Scripture. That you know he really knew the word of God, and um, he was a tremendous preacher. We we he he was a you know a tremendous preacher, even even considered by other people that were you know well known Puritans. They they thought well of his preaching, so well of his preaching that they wanted um, you know to sit under his preaching. Um, so we know that he also went to jail uh, for preaching because you had to be ordained. He had to be an ordained um, officer of the church at that time, and so he, you know, there was a lot of historical considerations happening at this time. Um, unfortunately, persecution of the Puritans, and so he was he was sent to jail uh, for a period of time. But but the Puritans uh, loved his preaching, loved his, wanted to sit under his preaching. Considered himself, you know, even though he didn't have train formal training, he was an incredible mind and and. Uh, had a, had an aptitude for theology, and so for somebody like Spurgeon to even say what he did of of a um, Bunyan is is a tremendous thing, and um, just kind of shows you that the, how well regarded Bunyan was, even by his uh, fellow contemporaries. So he's well worth checking out. You know, he's written Pilgrim's Progress, and he's written several other uh, very helpful works that are that are worthy of consideration. So.
0: If I'm not mistaken, he was in prison when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, too, wasn't he?
1: I, I I believe so. I don't remember that off the top of my head, but I believe you're right. Yeah, I think so,
0: because I think he was in prison for preaching, and that was when he started writing. And if that's the case too, that you know that's another area of this this minister writes this allegory, this book to help people to understand in the, the walk, the life of a, of a Christian that's being called by God. And, um, I like how even the story several times, you mentioned how evangelist comes along, not just once, because some people think, well, the gospel is just for one time. And it's just this stepping stone. Uh, it's just, you know, you just get, you get past this. I know we've talked about this before in other episodes and I've mentioned it, but, um, even, in, in some of the belief systems I came out of, it was almost, it was almost as if the gospel was looked at that way, um, that it was elementary. And then you just, you need to move beyond that. But I like in that story, how you mentioned that where evangelist comes to him several times. And I think that just reinforces the fact that the gospel is not just for us to hear one time. The gospel is foundational for us as believers. And and we're reminded of it, um, it's good for us to be reminded of even daily because we need to remember from what we've been saved and, um, not that we live in condemnation, but we need to be reminded daily of our need for Christ and our need for the gospel and from what we've been saved. And that that brings that contentment that you were talking about. So, um, I, I really appreciate you sharing about that and 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 helping provide some information. And I, I really enjoyed that in the book that you that you uh, added Pilgrim's Progress in there. And um, for those that may not know, just as a side note, I, I looked up a definition for contentment because you may be wondering, well, how did, what is contentment and and how does this apply? And I thought this would be a good topic to cover today um especially with Dave writing this was um from what many of us have come out of from the New Apostolic Reformation and and I have listeners have come out of New Age and and other areas of, of false teaching and such. And we praise God that, you know, it's by his grace that he gets us out of it. And it's by his doing that he gets us out of it. Um and so I thought this would be a good topic too, because a lot of us battle with contentment. Um Again, it's not exclusive to this movement, but when we're talking about this, uh, which is a lot of what I talk about on this podcast, a lot of us have battled with contentment because of the things that we've come out of and the belief systems. And you may be wondering, what does contentment mean? And so I found a definition on BibleStudyTools.com. And if you want to add to this day, feel free. But the definition I found was a state, as far as biblically understanding contentment, a state of being satisfied, at peace and emotionally fulfilled with what one has or the circumstances in which one finds themselves. And it's not dependent on external or temporal things. So that was the definition I found. Is there anything that you would add to that?
1: No, I I think that's actually good because, you know, like Paul, Paul talks about in Philippians 4 before he gets to talking in verse 11 through 12 about contentment and before, you know, it gives that famous statement in verse 13. You know, he talks about the peace of God that passes all understanding in verses 6 through 8. And we have to understand that that peace, since it's in that context of telling a Christian, verse 2, to rejoice in the Lord in Philippians 4, 2, that is directed to the Christian. And that means that when Paul's talking about the peace that he does there in verses 6 through 8, he's talking about the Christian who's indwelt by the Spirit. He's talking about not in the Romans 5, 1 through 2 way where we have the peace of God that, you know, that can— justify us make us right with god he's talking about that peace that we already have through the indwelling of the holy spirit that is being made real more real in our communion with christ our walking it out in daily life you know through our experience and actually if we jump down to verse nine as well he says to practice these things so there is there is a walking it out um you know there is these commands these things that we're to do because of the grace of god and and I especially wanted to say that um, you know to people that have come out of New Age and um, you know the New Apostolic Reformation because there there can be a tendency I think um, you know I, I'm and I, you know I welcome your insight too Don is somebody that's been in this is, of course but but what I what I see it, it can it can almost be and and this is just a natural reaction when somebody comes out of something like there can almost be a. Um, well, I just need the Bible, the Bible in me, and the truth in me, and but there is still we have to push back on that idea a little, a, a, a really hard because there is still a walking it out, and it, this isn't the only place that we see that in verse nine of Philippians four In James one twenty two. We're told to be hearers, not only hearers of the word but doers of the word. So there is this experience uh the reformers talked about it in terms of re- reformed experiential theology but what they really were talking about is what paul was talking about what james was talking about they just used a little bit different you know terminology um john flavel talked about it as uh, keeping the heart or guarding the heart as proverbs four twenty three says um so so i mean there's a lot of different ways to approach this but it, it really is just a walking out of the faith that we have and, and in fact, if you take a look at Philippians 4, verses 3 through 8, especially, and you really dig into that and you spend time um, understanding what Paul is saying there, um, what it will what do is it really will help you to have contentment. Um, I can say that because um, more, than, more than any of my other books, when spending time in that passage, part of the reason it was so um, challenging to write this book was because… When you're when you're looking at some of these things, it can be so easy to um, think I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I, I've got the education. I've got the experience. I've, I've been walking with the Lord for years and years, even in my case, uh, a little over three decades. And, you know, you've got this, you know, I, I, I got this right. But um, that's the wrong idea. You know in fact paul is actually even kind of writing to the philippians because he was concerned about this idea that they could do it in their own power and in their own way but but what paul does is he kind of flips this script on his head and he provides instead something um that we would say provides real life change and this is what the commands do the commands help us um, in that text to, to see that we can't change by ourselves we actually need the the help of god's grace to actually do the, the do the pra- very practical things about not being anxious about anything but in but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving well let me ask you a question uh, can you pray can you pray in your own power can you be thankful in your own power can you be anxious in your own power and i think i think we could check it off a list and you know say oh yeah sure sure but that's not paul's point as we talked about, his point is that we would be, we would be, would not be anxious because we understand the peace of Christ. That doesn't mean that we'll never be anxious. That doesn't mean that we won't have problems in our emotions. That doesn't mean that we won't get discouraged. It doesn't mean that we won't be fearful or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I am saying though that that what this does, like you were talking about, this contentment, inward peace, inward joy, it's it's possible to remind ourselves of this, and there was nobody else, by the way, I just want to say this, there was nobody that needed to be reminded and even confronted about my own lack of, uh, my lack of prayerfulness, my lack of thankfulness, my, my, about my anxiety than anybody else uh, in writing it. That was, that I was, I was confronted with that. Um, So, so I think one of the things that even, we can do is talking about contentment well you've you've arrived you've got to this certain point but the key to contentment for the christian really is humility you know it's it's realizing hey i got a long way to go i've come a long way and that's and that's a good thing but i still have much farther to go and part of realizing that is is walking it out if you don't ever walk it out and experience in the reality of daily life like paul is talking about and paul did you know we can tend to kind of overly spiritualize our christian life and almost treat ourselves like we're not human which is kind of a weird thing to do but we all do it um in in a lot of different ways where we you know kind of treat i'm just i'm just pursuing the lord i'm reading my bible i'm praying i'm doing all these things and sometimes they don't feels like it works and it what happens what's happening well we need we need not only to do those things we need other people to be speaking into and and that's why we need one another in the church to really help sometimes we need help beyond just we don't need any more help than what the Bible says don't hear me say that but what we need is we need one another just to help spur one another on in this regard and that involves listening to to one another and you know care and compassion so that we can um so that we can keep on this this journey um and and even in even by the way we could draw this back to pilgrim's progress you see that like i mentioned with Evangelist, he gets distracted he gets off the path and you know evangelist comes back and he reminds him of the truth and he gets back on the path We that's what we have to do i mean we see that in hebrews three thirteen. um we're supposed to remind one another uh, of, of the grace of God. While today is today, I'm paraphrasing that. That's why we need to be reminded and remind one another um, every day. While today is today, you know that's very very practical instruction for a for a Christian husband and a, and, and a Christian wife. Uh, your husbands, wives, your your husband's having a hard day. Why not remind him of the of the grace that he believes, men. You know, I know you have mostly women who watch this spot, but I'll say to men: Why not remind your wife on when she's having a hard day after you know she dealt with the kids all day or whatever? Why not remind her that that's the idea of Hebrews three thirteen? You know, church members we can do the same thing, and 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 the applications are endless, right? So, um, you know, this this contentment is not only individual through prayer and Bible study and and all those things; it's corporate um and but there's not there's not like a secret sauce paul never gives us the secret sauce there is no secret there is no secret we just we have to trust christ in the stuff of life that's what he's saying i mean in philippians 4 you know, trust christ rejoice in the lord keep keep working at these things and and the more that more that these truths are being pressed home into our lives it's gonna be not very comfortable at all and the reason is, is it, it exposes our the way many many ways in which um, we haven't been we haven't experienced biblical life change. Um, we have trust in ourselves. We we have been anxious about you know our daily bread and are um, the influence of the world, the flesh, and the devil have taken too much of a hold in our lives. And and what a passage like Philippians four does is it it totally. I mean it 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 exposes you in in amazing ways the nearness of god is such a reality that even in a text talking about contentment and joy and anxiety and fear it's a reminder that many christians need that god hasn't forgotten them you know the lord is near he's eminent he's but he's also immutable he's unchanging and so uh, these are these are incredible reminders. They're an incredible encouragement, um, and I know we're, we'll probably talk about suffering and trials later. But they are, those two truths—His nearness and God's unchanging nature—are absolutely foundational for the Christian to understand. They're foundational to understand as you pursue contentment, but they're also foundational to be able to face trials and suffering, and 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 to grow um, in God's character. So
0: yeah I think that uh when you were talking about uh when people are coming out of this and and they believe that they can just be by themselves and I just need my Bible and and just me and that's all I need and that's equally dangerous <laughs> because you're you're not being shepherded properly and you're not um having accountability and then you're not even being part of the local church which we are supposed to be in order to grow and and to grow in spiritual maturity and to make sure that what you're understanding is, is the truth and is being safeguarded by, uh, seasoned solid biblical leaders. But, um, when you were talking about contentment, I know one of the things that I I know looking back, I dealt with being a part of that, uh, movement was, um, finding, I was almost, it was almost as if I was finding contentment in my own doing in my own self and then finding contentment in, uh, you're, you're told that if, uh, if you have nice things, if, if you have, if you're prospering, you know, in your body, in your, in your finances, in everything in your life and everything's going well, then it's almost as if you're, you find contentment in that. And then you're not prepared when something were to happen, of course, when things, bad things happen, most people would say, well, don't, don't say that. Don't speak that. Don't give a uh, power to that doctor's report or whatever's going on. That's negative. You need to speak positive confessions and, um, know that God wants you to prosper. And one of the things that, uh, one of the scriptures, and I was l- just doing a little bit of uh, research into this and study into it was, um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, I found, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. And I, I think that a lot of people um, within the Word of Faith teaching and the New Apostolic Reformation have been taught incorrectly and unbiblically that we believe contentment is found in temporal things. And if we're really prospering, then we're never going to go through anything bad. And um I know that uh it was after we left the movement. And most people, you know, the, the mindset would be if you come out of that, that you're suffering because you came out from underneath that spiritual covering. You came against the man or woman of God, and that's why you suffer. And I remember there were there were two distinct in addition to coming out of that, that was very difficult, but there were two distinct things that happened in my family or my life. Um, in 2020, I gave birth to our son and, um, he is now three and a half. And, um, I was, um, I was, I was two weeks away from turning 41 when I had our, our son and, um, I was considered advanced maternal age, which I really don't like that term, but that's that's a whole other topic. But um I, I it was a it was a high risk pregnancy and it was a very difficult pregnancy. It was not fun at all. I was physically miserable. Um, I had to go for weekly ultrasounds because I was having complications um with amniotic fluid levels being high and then they were concerned about preeclampsia and gestational diabetes and it, every week it was something else I had had blood work done and, and tests done every week and this was during COVID and so my husband Nick was not allowed to come with me to the weekly ultrasounds and I would Dave I would leave those doctor's appointments and um we left the movement in 2019 um I, I had him I, uh, he was born in May of 2020 and prior to his birth, I mean, I would leave those doctor's appointments and I would be in tears by the time I got to the to the car because of the things that they were saying to me and trying to process and work through all of that and um, trying to grapple with that. And I think that that was one of the first times that I realized I didn't know. It was, a, it was a little inkling of it, but I didn't, I didn't realize how to biblically pray. And of course, there was no contentment in God at that point. I mean, I was praying. I mean, I was crying out to God in, in the what little way I knew how to do at that point. But I was going through such a difficult time in trying to deal with that because of what I came out of and trying to process that and not, not feeling comfortable any longer of praying praying how I used to pray. And then um, we had a reprieve for a few months. Everything was really good. And then my husband started having sickness in August of 2020. That that um, episode kind of came and went pretty quickly. And then December of 2020, he had a pretty significant event happen where um, he lost feeling in half of his body and then um, began to have other complications in addition to that and had to go to the emergency room. I had to take him to the emergency room three different times, hospitalized, had went septic one, at one point i was trying to get him into um, a university to have him t- to find out what was going on and it was in 2021 we had the official diagnosis of ms and it was in that that trial that i began to realize i don't know how to biblically pray I have no, cons- I, I don't know, I can't do this declaration, this decree declare thing anymore. Um, there was a lot of times, a lot of anxiety. Um, you mentioned Philippians 4, um, 6, through- and th- those, that was the, I found myself going to scripture when I needed to be consoled um, and to try to find some semblance of contentment, I found myself going to scripture. And it wasn't in some sort of incantation type way or trying to speak things into existence. It was, I needed to remind myself what God had already spoken in his word in the proper context. And that one passage, I mean, I remember going to it and still at times I'll go to it and I'll remind myself, Lord, you said in your word. That we're to be anxious for nothing, but we're in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're to bring re- our request to you, and that your peace that surpasses all understanding will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And so I'm reminded of that. Um, and finding contentment, which is very odd to say, and some people may and may not understand that listening to this, but over the past couple years of finding contentment doesn't mean I don't still deal with anxiety at times. And the thoughts of what if, you know, what what if this happens, what if that happens? But I'm finding it's getting more easier to deal with that um, and and realizing the contentment in, in the Lord in other capacities that are very trivial as far as, you know, doing ministry things and, and getting concerned about, you know, You know, just things that people get concerned about, about influence and social media and stuff like that. That's a very trivial thing. It's a temporal thing. But um, finding contentment in the conversations that I have one-on-one with women that are coming out of this, finding contentment in being able to disciple uh, one or two young women and to help them to understand and to guide them back to the gospel and guide them back to the word of God, to help them find a biblically sound church, finding contentment in being a mother, um, knowing that I don't have to have a microphone or a big platform or to have all those other things that I once thought were, were prosperous, you know, but to find contentment in the Lord, um, And not every day looks like that. You know, I stay home with young children and sometimes I have to find patience, (laughs) but, and, and some women can relate to that, but, um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I've noticed that in this movement is one of the things I, I said, all that long winded thing to say. I think a lot of times people that are coming out of this, one of the the difficulties is among many is finding that contentment because that contentment has been, um, a, is a disillusionment that something else is always going to satisfy you. And there's peace found in you having lots of money. There's peace in you uh, always being, uh, always being healthy, that you'll never be sick. You'll never go through hard times. Your marriage will not suffer. Your children will always walk as they're supposed to. You're never going to have any difficulties. And when those things happen, I think it's devastating to people because they don't have a proper biblical understanding of it. And that foundation is shaky, to say the least. Um, Can you provide any sort of encouragement or any thoughts on that, that, that you would want to, to offer?
1: Well, first off, John, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, it's you know, your your story is is helpful to a lot of people. It's helping a lot of people and the Lord is using you, you know, to to help people. So, you know, I, I know I tell you that a lot and I'm I'm super thankful for how the Lord is using you. Um, you know, in terms of this particular, you know, movement you know what we i think what we see is really an ungodly ambition Um, and what that means is is i'll start with the positive uh not so not the movement you know we we see the apostle paul he was highly highly educated paul says he gives his testimony for example in philippians 3 so just a few verses before we get to chapter 4. and he says you know he's a pharisee of pharisees he was zealous for the law um, he was well regarded, um, so he was a Pharisee of Pharisee, meaning he was he was he was very well educated. He probably had something like what we would call the equivalent of probably two PhDs today. So you know it's been said. whether that's true or not, I mean the the one to one, who knows. okay but but generally speaking, you know, I've heard that in, in my Christian life. but but then he says something amazing in verse in Philippians it may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And I want you to notice here what he says, um, in verse, in verse, uh, verse eight. He says he counts them as rubbish. Literally, not to be too graphic here, but that word means dung. It means he counted it all as lost, as poop, okay, as as dung, as nothing, absolute zero he he just wanted to know Christ and and you know when you talk about you talked about your you know the your your testimony i can i can say even from the other side being in ministry my my entire adult life um there's been there's been times especially in my early 20s when i had no business being in ministry of any kind because um what what ended up coming out and being exposed was I was all about the numbers and the platform and you know i quickly from the especially at 19 when i started servants of grace i had so many opportunities now now i had the knowledge i had the understanding but my my character was not there at all and and it quickly became evident that i i did not have i was not ready for this <laughs> i was not ready for this and and i ended up hurting people you know and so i have a, i have a real heart for this um not only, not only because of that, but I recognize the dangers of platform, and, and I've seen them. I've been doing this kind of work for uh, – in, in August of this year, it'll be 24 years. In 24 years, I've seen people come and go and come and go and come and go, and a lot of it just has to do with are you about the platform? Do you, so you want to have a large following and people following you and reading your blog and so it be, or your podcast, and so it becomes about the metrics. It becomes about, okay, so did I have 5, 10, 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, 5,000 um, viewers, uh, listeners uh, to my podcast, video, uh, blog? Well, well let, let, me, let me put it this way, Don. W- what number is going to be enough? At that point, what what number is going to be enough? Is it going to be five thousand? Is it going to be ten thousand? Is it going to be fifteen thousand? Is it going to be fifteen million? Okay, A- and then you're going to be happy in the Lord. It's kind of I'm I'm kind of doing that just to be clear in case you don't get it. I'm I'm saying that not not to be condescending when I say that either, but I'm saying it that way for dramatic effect to say that the number is never going to be enough and what i've seen over time especially among my friends in ministry i've seen so many of them come and go because what ended up happening is they wanted to have the numbers more than they wanted to minister people so there's a godly ambition it's motivated by the glory of christ it's 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 uh motivated by a desire to know nothing nothing other than christ um, one of one of the guys when I was a pastoral intern, he said when I gave the what they call the seminary sermon, you have to give a sermon in seminary. And um I was really nervous and um this one of the pastors of the church where we were at, he said to me, Jabe, just love the people with a word. And I've actually never forgot that. Um, now well over a decade ago plus after that. Love the people with the word. So, so what I want to do is, I just want to love people with the word, through whatever I'm doing—articles, podcasts, uh, I preach, I do pulpit supply, um, all of it. I just want to help people love the word, Uh, as you say, love the one who is the word as well. Um, I like that too, by the way. Um, But you know, this this so that would be a godly ambition, being motivated by the word and by the. By the glory and the honor of Christ and making disciples. And, it, and if what comes out of that, as John MacArthur said, we focus on, we focus on the depth of our ministry, and God focuses on the breadth. So, so, what that means is we focus on being faithful to the word. We focus on being faithful and loving the people you know, with the one who is the word. And then, then what comes what may. You know? And it's easier said than done. I, like I said, I've been doing this 23 and a half years. I, I, would, I would be a liar, liar if I didn't say that I I deal with discouragement anxiety and and fear in my in my own life um this is where I need my wife to remind me the Lord is using you why I need friends to remind me the Lord is using me um it's it's too easy to forget you know when you when you and we all and and it's not even just if you're a ministry it's 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 just life life has a way of you know beating us down and we and we genuinely forget and so how do you deal with that you just have to take yourself by the hand and and remind yourself of Christ you have to remind yourself that why are you doing this I think that's that's the reason why you know there there's these guys with these massive platforms that we talk out that talk about out there you know and and nobody knows we have to say this nobody knows their hearts but the lord all we can see is what they say we can't there's only one in the lord who searches and knows the hearts of man so he knows it but we can see their fruits and we can test it with the word so that out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks jesus says in luke 6:45, and so there seems to be an ungodly ambition among many to have you know this large platform for for what i mean and it's not just the nar it's not just this it's it's in the evangelical uh broader subculture That's it's it's, it's <laughs> dawn i used to work in the the publishing i've worked with publishers for so long it's in the publishing our publishing industry in the Christian publishing industry, where it's all about metrics. So whether it's an author, it has to have a certain size or a certain number of people, or you have to go out on the conference circuit, or you know you have to have so many book sales in order to get your next book deal, or, or and it's like or or even just like pastor positions, you have to have twenty plus years of experience plus. A masters of divinity or a doctorate of ministry or a phd or you have to have been preaching and leading a church of this size it's like at some point we just have to ask isn't the biblical qualifications for a pastor and elder enough is isn't what scripture defines what a christian character is is enough and isn't just being faithful to christ and 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 to what he said in his word enough i'm just saying if it's a Christian company and we're, we're Christians and it's a Christian ministry and we're aiming to serve people, then people's character should be the first qualification that we assess, and we should assess it using the word rather than, okay, how many followers do they have on YouTube and on their podcast and on their blog and on social media and, and even how well they're using their social media and whether they're keeping or losing followers. I mean… That that's what I mean. And that's what I see in this movement. People are you talked about your, you know, your your testimony and sharing about it. Um, you know, Paul had something to say about that, even in that same chapter about that you mentioned in First Timothy six, you know, before he even talks about contempt, he talks about warning about false teachers and, and ungodly gain and and the pursuit of money. And so Paul, the Bible has something to say about that. It has a lot to say about ungodly ambition. But we have to say that the Lord knows the heart. He knows the heart. You can't fake out the God who made you, the God who sustains you, the God who gives you life. And, and what I see honestly is guys that I've seen come and go. You know, I've seen so many people come and so many people go. And what, what separates the ones that stay is they're about the honor and the glory of Christ, and they're truly about making disciples. Um, you know god gives and god takes away he he might raise up for a season um and he he might you know keep somebody you know in his providence you know the size of our ministry the size of our influence it might never reach whatever whatever we want it, it but the question is is that 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 exposes our hearts is whatever influence is whatever um however he's using it is that enough is he enough or are we pursuing size and influence of platform um my my concern with a lot of these guys in the NAR is that it is about size it is about influence it's about platform it's about this and that but we have to also talk about is christ enough as well and what about godly character because this is what the bible is concerned with before we ever do anything for the lord we're supposed to be a certain man or a certain woman we're supposed to be a per- person of character and our, and our character it, i mean you you can't look at a passage like galatians 5 22 through 23 or colossians 3 when paul uh, starting at verse 12 or before verse 12 he talks about the things that were not to be and then in verse 12 he tells us to put off the old man and put on the new man so my concern is that there's just a lot of ungodly ambition and a, and a growing and, a, and how big can I get and how many people are following me and, oh, look, I've got a million followers on YouTube. Okay, so, so when I think that, I think, okay, so are you about the, the, the million subscribers on your YouTube or are you about a million people being served for the honor and glory of Christ and the making of disciples and the spreading of the gospel or are you about building another kingdom for yourself? And for your honor and so your friends can have an echo chamber where you can be heard by over a million people this is part of their plan with the you know the seven mountain mandate is to oh yeah take over culture and everything as well but you know i'll I'll let you touch on that if you want
0: you will see a big focus on on that uh, on uh, the numbers and Uh, You writing a book or something and getting on Sid Roth and that's a stepping stone to get you to the next area of influence and grow your numbers and there's systems out there that you can use to help grow your social media platform and guarantee you so many followers and um, again it, it diverts the contentment doesn't it it can it and it creates discontentment essentially what is what it does because then you're never satisfied. Like what you were saying, it's always you've reached that that point that you want to, and it's not going to be enough. So then you got to go to this next point and this next point, and then at what at what end? What you were saying, at what point do you stop and say, okay, I, I'm good? And then on the flip side of that too, um, people will find contentment in the numbers they have, and that and that validates to them that God approves of what they're doing. And that can be so deceptive because we know that scripture even tells us that broad is the way that leads to destruction. There will be many people that will fall away, that they will go off into deception. They'll have their ears scratched because of false teaching. And um, we have to be sure that, that our contentment is rooted in Christ, first and foremost, as what we've been talking about. And that our contentment is found in what God has spoken in his word to help us to understand what that looks like in our life as we're going through this journey with the Lord
1: in our and, faith. Um, you know, th- this pursuit of, of contentment, you know, that ungodly pursuit is pride, you know, and we all have to think about this, whether you have come out of the new age or the NAR or whatever you have to think about this i have to think about this um you know like i mentioned in my 20s i'm i'm now in my early 40s you know the ungodly ambition is is pride it's it's pride you know and and what does pride do it dishonors god it's it's one of the things in in proverbs 15 that god says that he hates god hates pride um what does james tell us james 4 and first uh, peter Five tells us that god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble and so so it's it's worth reflecting on it's worth asking the question it's worth everybody has to answer this question i can't answer that for you know all those people that we talk about i, I can't i can't answer the question if they're motivated by pride or by humility i can't answer whether they're um you know, because I don't know their heart, I can see I can see the the outward fruit, but I can't see the heart. The Lord sees the heart, we must say, but we so we have to be careful there, but we can look at the fruit. We can look at the fruit of their teaching and their doctrine and their life and their godliness. And but we have to also at the same time be careful theologically and scripturally speaking to affirm that God searches the heart and he knows the motives of the heart. And so I just I just want to say that as a caution, because it can be like you know we can warn and we can we can call out false teaching, but at the end of the day, even with false teachers, we don't know their heart, we don't know their motives, we don't know why they do it. it now if they say, great, that, that that becomes a whole different that becomes a whole different conversation. But but it but it's worth saying that we can only assess, we can only examine, we can only talk about, um, and we do don and i do and and doreen but but even at the end of the day all all three of us would agree on this this thing that i'm saying only the lord knows the heart and only the lord can assess the heart we just we're just assessing the fruit of what's in their heart and what comes out of their mouth you know that's all that we're doing that's all that anybody should do and anybody that's doing anything else isn't doing what god would have them to do and they're not doing it they're not doing it in a way that honors god at all and as the Bible prescribes, you know, we're to contend for the faith. We're not to content, be contentious. But that judging and assessing people's hearts and motives is God's alone. Um, so we have we have to be so we have to be so careful. Um, it's good to be discerning. It's good to engage in discernment. But it's not good to be the prototypical. And I don't want to be. I don't think you do either. I know Doreen doesn't either. We don't want to be. We don't want to be discernment bloggers right you know just because we talk about these things doesn't mean that you know that's all that we're about i mean anybody that would look at servants of grace could see that that we're not as a ministry about that although some some we could say some maybe discernment ministries are and you know it's something to really think about it's something that i think about there's a, there's a place to be balanced and there's a place to have not just um a conversation about these things but to what's the motive you know what's the motive there is it is it to help people is it to point them to the church is it to point them to the word and the help that that the lord provides and that His church can provide and that the church is taught or or not i mean for me that's that's my that's i know that's my motive i know that's my a lot of my why but it's also it's because these guys are leading people away from the truth and away from what the church has taught, and the deceptive way in which they talk and and teach and lead people away from the true help of finding contentment, of finding true joy, of finding real peace. Yeah. Um. I mean that at the end of the day is more than enough reason, among others, about why to why I do it. I know. I mean, the main
0: reason that I started doing this podcast was to help other women that were coming out of what I came out of, and try to give some semblance of of understanding and help to work through those things. And in the process, trying to have conversations like what we're having at times and um, also uh, being vulnerable at times and sharing my own difficulties and struggles and trials because unfortunately that's one of the things that's again shied away from in this movement. Um, you're defined contentment in your positive circumstances. And in your positive declarations, and that's where you find contentment and to, to say God's name in there. But really, I don't think that there's a great biblical understanding of what that is. Um, one last thing I wanted to, I did want to talk about, and I know I touched on it a little bit was, um, sharing some of the personal things was suffering. Um, that again is something that's not, it's not focused on. It's really avoided in this movement. And if you're suffering at all, then you, you're doing something wrong. Um, and and that's even that's been in the word of faith it's been in in others for years that have just kind of coalesced into the n a r but um there is the belief system of and I even battled with that too when when Nick got sick you know I would think you know if if we hadn't if if we hadn't left the movement, if we hadn't spoken something against the leader, this wouldn't have happened if we hadn't come out from our spiritual covering i would i blamed myself a lot when it happened. And trying to work through that and, and trying to um, basically tear down those lies and, and the false teachings that were manipulative and destructive and ultimately coming to the point, Dave, of realizing that um, and trusting God's sovereignty. I think that was one of that was something that was it, I hate to say this, but it was very it was difficult to a certain point to come to that understanding because you're always told you have all this power and authority. Again, finding contentment in essentially yourself, <laughs> even though you use God's name, finding contentment in yourself and what you can do. And when we were faced with this in in our family of going, okay, I, I have to come down to the point of I have to. God's sovereign, and He's been sovereign before I even recognized His sovereignty. And I have to trust him. And that was, that's another part of contentment, trusting the sovereignty of God and the plans that he has for your life. And I had to come to the terms of going, God saw this was going to happen. Nothing passes out of his hands without him knowing about it. And I don't understand every, every bit of it. Um, but I don't have to understand every bit of it, that my, my role is to trust him As one of his children, and to know that he works all things for the good of those who love him, according to Romans 8, and what I don't deem good, God deems good, and he's used, That that's the thing too, is I want to encourage others too with this, is that in finding contentment again, it's not that you don't ever have anxiety or ever have moments of weakness because we know that we will because we're fallible human beings, but that's where we come back in in recognizing our dependency upon Christ and our peace in Christ and our hope and our joy in Christ. But what I have found in in ever since his diagnosis is um there's been so many blessings in that that the Lord used that for his glory. He used that to further strengthen our marriage um, even more than it was he He used it to teach me how to biblically pray, to go back to scripture um to to help me to understand his sovereignty, to help me to un- to be content in his plan um to to help me to be a better wife. Um to not be begrudging and serving again, not that I'm perfect in that <laughs> but but to to help me to to learn how and and the importance of as as a wife that I'm supposed to help him, and this is one way that I help him in 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 certain capacities with this um sanctification i mean he's used this as a as a tool of sanctification. In our lives, when we go to his doctor's appointments and we see people that come in in wheelchairs, they can't, they're on canes, and they can't walk and, and Nick is, I mean, praise God, he he still has really good strength in his body and he's done well, um, in spite of some of the the discomfort that he feels on a daily basis and the things that see, he, he's had to deal with over the past few years with this, but we both are very thankful we look and we say thank you God that you know, we have compassion for now, for, for people now more than we used to. Um, I remember being in this in this movement and my compassion level was probably like very little, because my immediate answer was like, well, you just don't have enough faith. You just don't, you just need to pray. You just need to do this or do that. And it really has taught us to be more compassionate towards people and to be thankful in what we have. Contentment. What you were talking about. To be content in in what you have. And it, it all comes back to God's sovereignty. So um, as our final thing today, I didn't know if you wanted to give some thoughts into that for, for our final words here.
1: Yeah, for sure. You know, um, you shared very personally, so I'll share as well. You know, it, when I graduated seminary in 2012, I hadn't seen my dad in six and a half years. Um, my wife, Sarah, had never met my my, my dad, my dad, my dad was a very successful physical therapist for 40 plus years. And, uh, he conducted himself outstandingly, you know, but my dad was also an imperfect man. And, um, you know, so I remember sitting, you know, just before he left, before his practice totally crashed, um, which he had started with his own hands and his own hard work for years. I mean, and I remember just before he left that, you know, he didn't want to see me, he felt like a failure. He felt like I didn't love him, didn't care about him. But, um, you know, when there was a moment in there where I was just deeply, I, I don't know how to explain it other than I was deeply burdened. Um, This was just after I graduated, about a month after maybe a few weeks after I graduated It was Father's Day. And one of the things my dad and I did growing up was we played golf my dad ended up getting found by the by the state police in South Seattle and he ended up getting sent to a hospital in Seattle um he had driven on the wrong side of the road and got confused and he got diagnosed with dementia I get a call this is a couple weeks after graduating from my older brother I'm living in Idaho southern Idaho um at this time within it's a, it's about a 10-hour drive so within about 14 hours of hearing this keep in mind you know the the distance it's about 10 hours so within literally hours I'm on the road with Sarah at at this time driving to Seattle find out all this stuff find out he has dementia um around the same time I'm applying to pastor positions and being told no um I'm putting out book contracts I'm getting told no there's a lot of rejection um but there's a lot of good that I, I can look back on too. The Lord did during this this period of my time, of of my life. You know, when I when you fast forward a few years, my dad still has dementia to this day. He still does. He's still alive. You know, in about 2018 or 19, my mom got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, but she she already was having memory issues, and um, but then COVID happened. We're living in California. After working 10 plus hours every day, which is about what I do, 8 to 10 hours a day, um, I have to spend two to three hours, sometimes more, on the phone talking to my dad, counseling him. Because he's stuck in an assisted living facility, you know, um, having nobody to talk to, can't go out, won't let him go out, and uh, I'm caring for him, praying for him, encouraging him, telling him that I love him even though I'm, what, fifteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 miles away. And why do I say that? Well, all of us have those situations in our life where we face rejection and disappointment and suffering and hardship. And we have to remind ourselves, you know, in the midst of that. Uh, but even before COVID, I started writing this book. Um, you know, and it took a while, it took a while for me to write this book because it was a hard it it was it was not hard substance wise it was hard application wise and it can be hard to to deal with the things especially especially the kind of things that people deal with coming out of the new age and new apostolic reformation but it also is hard because of a subculture of christianity that focuses on influence and platforms and how much and so, so how much are you doing for the honor and glory of god and it's good that we do so much it's good that we give our lives and we're spent for the gospel absolutely we should not sit on the pew but we should we should take the time to have a pause and and to enjoy and and there is a you know even spurgeon he worked himself you know to death um he died young you know we're not sure exactly all the reasons why but he suffered uh from gout and he suffered from depression and God's servants throughout church history have suffered from depression and discouragement what about that I mean and and some people really struggle with this thing that what is where is God when it really really hurts you know so you know my parents got divorced when I was when I was in high school Where, where is God in the midst of that I could say um it would have been all too easy to to leave christianity entirely as a high school student but by the grace of god i didn't you know because of his persevering grace to me and his sustaining grace and and the help of two very godly men who came alongside of me um i might have crashed and burned in my 20s and in my early 30s but by the grace of god he sent godly men to surround me um you know i could have been i could have could have been one of those stories that crashed and burned and didn't finish well but but for the grace of god you know and that's true for all of us we we all we all have to understand that life in this post-fall world it's really really hard and you know just because don gets don has a you have an incredible story of of coming out of the nar and you know i'm not going to minimize that in any way or you know Doreen has an incredible story, and a lot of people do. They've come out of the new age and 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 um, the new Apostolic Reformation. and yeah, you know, praise the Lord for his grace in taking taking people out of deception. But you know, the lord, the Lord convicted uh, me of 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 selfishness when I was twenty six. I was enslaved to pornography. Um, and, you know, The next within six months, I met my wife, you know, we all have we all they have these stories of of how God has worked and he is orchestrating all of those events. You know, he 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 took me from from Boise, Idaho to Seattle, Washington in 12 to 14 hours driving so that I could help my dad. And for you, for us, suffering is hard. But the bible has something to say about that it, in james one two through three it says consider it pure joy brothers when you face trials of various kind knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience and let patience have its good work in you um the book of Jan- uh first peter was written to people that were experiencing um trials the book of hebrews was written to people that were facing um suffering and and on and on we could go with this but the point is is God is not ab- absent in their suffering. You, you Just because I shared my story, I share that story hopefully to encourage you in the midst of your discouragement, rejection, and thing that I had to take myself by the hand as I do every day when I get discouraged, which happens A lot more than people would ever know. If you were in my heart, in my mind, you'd be like, I don't want to read this guy. I don't want to listen to this guy. I don't want to watch this guy. Um, He's a he's a nightmare. He's a mess. I mean, you know, praise God for my wife and praise God for for the godly friends that I have. Um, You know, they help me a lot. But um, still, the thing is, is we all need we all need the Word. We need the means that He's given to us and that's enough and 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 if you're discouraged you need to remind yourself and talk to yourself have, have ask those hard questions there, there is in, in the Christian life there is a taking ourselves by the hand not to beat ourselves up not to navel gaze but to assess why do I feel the way I do and ask yourself that and then you know as you do ask other people what do they see what share about with them what what they see and what, what they're seeing, people that know you well and that are trusted and solid theologically. And then listen and go and go to the word and take that to the word and pray, really pray about it. And that that's a healthy and even a mature thing. It's something we're to do. Paul says in Second Corinthians thirteen five, that we're to examine ourselves and that that's a biblical thing. It's an assessing of ourselves biblically with the word and testing our experience, testing our lives you know, with the words so that we can hold up the word and say, ah, am I really believing that right now in the midst of my, you know, uh, financial worry in the midst of in my, in my anxiety? Um, you know, I had to buy a car recently cause we didn't even have a, we didn't even have a car cause, um, back in June when I preached, uh, did pulpit supply of the car, put gas in it and poof, um, white smoke was coming out of it. Um, I had to tell my wife in the car dealership, I had to say, you know what? You make the decision. You know, I'm, I'm full of anxiety. You know, this is this is being really honest. It's being super honest, super transparent right now. But the reality is sometimes you just have to say to your spouse, make a call. Um, I can't. <laughs> I actually told some of my friends this, and they kind of smiled and, I said, Yeah, I've been there too. And that's okay. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes you just have to realize my wife, we have to have the car. I don't want to I don't want to sign for however much the car is. But I know we need it. So we have to get it. And we have to deal with the, the payment. The question is, is am I going to trust the Lord? Are you going to trust the Lord for the payment? That really gets to the issue, right? Of facing suffering, rejection, discouragement, and, and really all of life. We all have to deal with all of these things. And just because we record and recording and record, and we talk about these things, doesn't mean that we don't have real things that we're really dealing with as well. We're we're people, you know. Some people think, ah, oh, you know, all they do is talk about deliverance and and all these things. But we we're we're just like everybody else, right? We have real hurts and real things that we're dealing with, and so if you hear anything out of that, of of what you share, Don, and what I am sharing, it's that this really is, as the subtitle says, of the book, it's it's a journey. It's a journey. We're still learning. We're still growing. I've been I've been a Christian by the grace of God now for you know three three and a half decades, and you know i should probably be a lot further along you know than i am but i'm not (laughs) and i have a lot of room to grow but that's part of also recognizing how far i've come remembering hey god has taken me this far he's going to take me home and he's and he's going to be faithful to his word and are you are even looking back at the ways that god's been faithful to you in the midst of that in the midst of you know financial challenges marital challenges suffering and it's a reminder, and it's a good reminder. You know, we see that throughout the Bible, the people of Israel were to remember the Lord. And what did they do? They forgot. Yep. And we forget, and so we need the reminder. So, hopefully that hopefully that's helpful. You know, it's not a there's not a magic bullet like, do this and thou shall arrive at contentment. Um, <laughs> but but you find it you find it by coming to Christ. Yep come to you find it you find true contentment and true peace not because of a teacher or because somebody on a podcast said it you find it because of christ and you find it because of christ because christ himself offered it to you in his word that's how all of us found it that's how we continue to find it like you said it's not just um i think i've said this on 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 you know in our recordings before we we come in through the door of christ christ says the door and and we continue to to walk to him we continue to go to him we continue to abide in him uh the word abide in John 15 it means remain uh, we continue to remain in Christ and we continue to look to Christ we continue to trust Christ because we need his grace we need his we need the grace of God to transform us we need the grace of God to secure us we need the grace of God to lead us home like Christian and Pilgrim's Progress we got a need of the grace of god right so that's how we're going to find real contentment grow in the grace of god grow in your knowledge of reading the word grow in your love of god's people grow in love for your spouse grow in love if you have kids grow in love for your kids uh grow in love and service to christ don't sit on the pew don't don't just say oh that's being done by somebody else Uh, no find some way that you can serve find some way that god has wired you to be useful you're good at sound get involved with sound um you you want to be useful um there's a huge need in the christian podcast community uh, for video editors and audio editors maybe start a business to be useful i mean the the list goes on and on i I mean mean. there's such a need for all of these things and christians christians we can say have led the way Are to lead the way um with excellence in all of these things
0: well i appreciate you being on here dave um it's been a good discussion as always and the goal of these podcasts um, is always to point back to Christ and back to his word um, and the sufficiency of his word. And so I appreciate you writing the book and I appreciate you coming on here and talking about this. And I hope that this is helpful as always. And um, for those that have listened, uh, thank you for taking time to listen today and um, look forward to being on here with you again as we cover another topic. But until that time, be blessed today by the truth of God's word. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. You can also email me at dawn at com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll consider leaving a five-star review and that you'll even share it with others who may benefit from the information provided. If you also like reading, you can subscribe to my blog at lovesickscribe.com, where I release weekly blogs that correlate with the podcast episodes. I've enjoyed our time together today, and I look forward to our next time together as we dive into biblical truths, current topics, and where we grow in loving the word and loving the one who is the word, Jesus Christ. Blessings to you.